welcome to the Sim Racing Perspectives podcast for Sunday the 5th of August 2018. I'm your host Davy Jones and I'm joined today by Alex from The Extra Mile. Hey guys, what's up? And Billy Strange from Billy Strange Racing. Hello. Thank you Billy for joining. Unfortunately due to um, scheduling issues, Mike from Sim Racing 604 could not join us today. But um, Mike of course will be back. And to those listening, we've had a minor hiatus, I guess, of sorts with the summertime and vacations and whatnot. It's been difficult to try and get a show together, but thankfully we're, we're sort of back, if I can put it, put it that way. And um, when we first started the podcast, we made a note to dedicate an episode to sim racing hardware. So that's what we'll try and cover today. Um, I think it's fair to say that Expensive equipment will not make you a better or faster sim racing driver. Indeed, Rudy Van Buren, who won the McLaren World's Fastest Gamer, um, was using a Logitech G27 with the original pedals. I made note of that when Sean Cole from the Simpit um, interviewed Rudy, I think it was October last year. And uh, we can all agree that the most important thing is to enjoy sim racing and have fun using whatever equipment you have and indeed whatever equipment you can afford. So what I wanted to do was kind of start and talk about the various um, sim racing hardware types. We have, for example, the on the introductory level, you could say, or the entry level, shall we say, you have the Thrustmaster and Logitech with belt and gear-driven wheels. And then you have the slightly consumer shall i say or maybe pro level fanatec which is also belt driven um i personally i find the fanatec um product range a bit confusing kind of the the i know i've heard the terms but the kind of the club sport club sport v2 i've I've never really really looked into it but when i see um news reports on new products and reviews i i find the thing a little bit confusing although i guess uh, T500, T300, TSPC is, is no more um, easier to understand. And then, yeah, follow, I, fo- I sorry, Bill, go ahead. Those, uh, go ahead. The Thrustmaster and Fnatic kind of bleed into each other. I think Logitech, kind of the base model. And then Thrustmaster kind of goes from Logitech to Fnatic, and Fnatic kind of goes from Thrustmaster to themselves. Yes. So it, they kind of all trickle into each other in especially because Thrustmaster and Fnatic have different product ranges. Yes. And then um, from the, if you kind of go in a linear fashion from the gear-driven to belt-driven, then we have the direct drive wheels, which are basically kind of industrial motors where you have a high-powered electrical motor and the, and the wheel is connected directly to the drive. So you have the uh, OSW wheels, which is what um, Jimmy Broadbent has. Jimmy Broadbent has an OSW midge. Is that how you pronounce it? From the Sim Racing Bay. Then you have Acriforce. And then there's the Leo Bodner wheels, which I believe um, Sean Cole from the Sim Pit is using. And then you have the new um, Fanatec Podium Series, which has recently been announced. And I've been following that and trying to understand what's kind of going on. And it's a little bit, little bit 
confusing. And I looked at it today just to remind myself and to kind of make some notes. You have this wheelbase DD1 and then this wheelbase DD2. And for the Fanatec Podium Series wheelbase DD1, you can pre-order a DD1 now. And this product will also be available to pre-order via auctions starting from a price of one euro or one dollar and then uh, the wheelbase dd2 pre-order your dd2 now so i find i know there's been some confusion and some complaints online but i found the whole concept a bit confusing because many people were waiting to see what fanatec were going to do and also you have this um feel vr which i believe will from the um sim racing paddock has had um, experience on and has tested and that was supposed to be the kind of the the cheaper alternative the kind of crowdfunded cheaper alternative and i looked it up today so there's, there's a bundle you can pre-order on indiegogo 599 us dollars um and plus shipping and it was originally 899 down to 599 for this early bird bundle so you could kind of invest in it now but it wouldn't be delivered until february of next year i also believe sean cole got a test with the field vr as well oh did he um i believe so yeah it would be really interesting to hear sean's opinion on that one because uh the field vr is very promising certainly the cheapest and air quotes uh, direct drive wheel option out there yes but um it remains to be seen if they can ship a quality product but everything i've seen so far all the previews have been very positive so it's really interesting yeah so and it and it's like it's so six hundred dollars for the wheel the base and the actual pedals and when i looked on the indiegogo store today they're actually selling the sending selling them as individual items but you could get a direct drive driven set wheel and base and pedals for six hundred dollars I'm not sure if I'm correct on this one, but I'm relatively sure that the pedals are not included anymore at that price point. Ah, but I'm so? not 100% sure. But uh, last time I checked, because a good buddy of mine is looking into the field VR uh, wheel, um, last time I checked, I think it was around 100 bucks just deal. Yes. Um, but I'm not, I'm not certain. Yeah, yeah. But still, even though, uh, even then, it's, it's, uh, it's a good deal. And it's an interesting market because you've had... You've had the belt and gear driven, and then you had like the the um, direct drive, which is like this high end kind of industrial motors, and then you had Field VR come in, and now Fanatec's coming in. So the market has kind of widened, hasn't it? So yeah, and quite suddenly. That's um, true. Relatively speaking, of course. I mean, I kind of feel like direct drive wheels have been pushing into the market, wider market in the past yeah i don't know year maybe for that it was still um out of reach for most people. but i'm looking forward to them uh coming to a price point where more people can afford them because um, as you said rightfully in the beginning while they don't make you suddenly an amazing driver yeah um they certainly do have advantage and they certainly are more overall more fun um yeah but but I'm looking forward that to that point more people can enjoy that. And then we'll we'll move on to um if I may what what sim gear we're all currently using. Now, 
I have a Thrustmaster T300 and I have the Ferrari Integral Racing Wheel Alcantara Edition. It sounds very fancy, but and I am, I'm actually on my third um, T300 base and I did a video on my issues with that and the going through the RMA process. And Billy, you're running a TSPC racer, if I remember correctly. That's correct. And you've been running that for how long now? Uh, almost since it first came out. Yeah. Probably maybe a month or so after they came out. Yeah. So. And you're ha you're happy with that? Works great. Yeah. I have not had problems with any of the Thrustmaster products that I've used. Yeah. I, uh, I ran a TX for a long time. I, I've given that one to my brother now, and he's using that. And yeah. then I also ran a T300. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm one of the lucky ones that haven't had an issue. Yeah, you must be. <laughs> yeah. I've either... I got some um, Monday selections. I don't know, but I had I had two fail. I'm on my third one. This one seems okay. And Billy, um, you were at um, E3 this year on behalf of Thr Thrustmaster. That was, I know you, you've talked about this at length. But you, that was your first um, E3, wasn't it so? Yes. Yes, yeah. that was the first E3 that I've ever been to. Yeah, and there was the um, Assetto Corsa uh, Competizione event, and you were there from Thrustmaster. But one question I wanted to ask you was, when you were there, when, when people were mingling around and coming to um, take part in the competition, or just in general, was anybody asking you about the hardware? I know the focus was on the... Um, the competition for a set of course, a set of course, a competition, sorry, and the in in its alpha or beta stage. But was anybody asking you about uh, the hardware, or did you see a lot of interest in hardware? I know that Thrustmaster also have, um, I think they had some um, aircraft simulator pedals there as well, and I think they're also manufacturing headphones. But what was your experience of the kind of the the hardware retail point of view at E three this year? Well, I do. I was doing the announcing, so I didn't really get any questions about hardware. Yeah. Um, I did see people looking at it. They we they had like a display set up for like their wheels and um mainly E3 though is even though it's been opened up to the public, E3 is mainly for companies to get together and, you know, make deals to sell product. Yes. So all that kind of stuff is they have their own, oops, excuse me, they have their own internal uh, meeting rooms yeah. typically. And then they'll invite outside vendors. In this case, Thrustmaster, they would talk to vendors in that room. And that's where all the hardware, like all the wheelbases and on the flight stick side, all of the big stuff was in those rooms. And that's where they would talk. I didn't really, I didn't have any interactions with anybody asking about anything except the motion uh, rig itself that was being used on the on the uh, competition ah, yes. side yeah and it was this it, if i remember correctly it there was one company who was doing the motion rigs for several stands wasn't it so that's correct and i yeah. do not remember their name no i don't either yeah that's interesting and uh over to you alex alex you're using a direct drive reel aren't you 
Yeah, Davey, that's true. Um, I've been using the AccuForce wheel from Sim Experience for roughly three years now, I would say. Yeah. Um, I've gone through a wide range of wheels over my uh, sim racing career, if you can call it that. Yes. Uh, starting with very, very cheap uh, wheels with uh, just 180 degrees of range and no force feedback. That is kind of where I started yeah. uh, decades ago. Um, moved over to a Logitech Driving Force Pro, which I used for many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, I really love that wheel. Uh, my first 900 degree wheel with force feedback, and that lasted for about seven years. Um, then I upgraded to a Fanatec wheel. Yeah. And then a few years later, um, I jumped onto the Direct Drive wheel train. And um, I don't regret it. Um, I think when you spend a lot of hours over the course of a year or even many years yes. with a hobby, um, it, it, it certainly warrants um, a little bit of investment um, depending on, on what you can. Um, and uh, the direct drive wheel has added um, yeah, another layer to the driving experience. One thing that I um, like the most about it is that it's absolutely rock solid. Yes. Um, the thing that really got on my nerves, um, even with high quality wheels like the Fanatec wheels, is that you have, yeah, quite a bit of flex in the whole system. Everything mm -hmm. is moving around around a little bit. Um, there's a bit of creaking here and there, and it just feels a bit toy-like, mm -hmm. if that is a word, even. Yeah, no, that's and, fair to um, say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the direct drive wheel, um, right from the first second that you use it, it feels absolutely rock solid like a wheel in a real car does yeah and that alone um adds um adds to the experience quite a bit especially when you're driving in vr and you're just going from the haptics that you get from the feedback that you actually get in your hands yeah so um that's really awesome another great part is that the force feedback is very smooth and very detailed and very granular you get um all the forces are delivered in a very smooth and fine controlled way and every little um newton meter or um yeah every little movement actually comes into your hands and and is not drowning in the belt or the gears or the plastic yeah. wheel itself mm. so you get every little tiny movement of the wheel um that's another awesome thing and the last thing obviously is the force itself that the wheel can put out so yeah um if you want to you can replicate realistic steering forces of an open wheel car um, which i did in the beginning i had the wheel at um not full strength because that really is overkill but um, I had it set to a pretty high amount and um, you really start to get uh, in trouble after half an hour of driving an open wheel car then um, if that because it just takes so much so much force um, yeah. to hold the wheel steady. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But overall, I, I don't regret it. Um, it is a very pricey investment and a big decision to go for that. Yeah. But um, since I spent so much time with this hobby, which I would almost call a passion by now, mm. um, or it's it's certainly fueled by my passion for cars, uh, mm. we can say it that way. Uh, so I think the investment was uh, the right one, and I'm getting um, a lot of hours of fun out of it, and that's what counts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And Jimmy Broadbent did a video. I think it was he published it last week. He was the title was, "Is a direct drive wheel worth it?" And one of the point one of the points he made was that his upper arms and his shoulders have kind of developed strength wise because of the. Yes. Um, so do you find have you found the same? 
Yes, most definitely. Oh, really? Um, this really is no joke. This is, if you think about it, it is kind of like a workout tool because um, yeah. you spend, well, let's say at least half an hour a day on it, um, on average, I'd yeah. say, and uh, probably more in, in most cases. Yeah. And it does take, um, yeah, as I said, depending on the car that you drive, it does take a little bit of force. Um, to keep um, the car on the road and the wheel pointed where you want it to point. So um, I definitely have felt that, um, that especially uh, the shoulder region. Um, at first, um, I could really feel my arms after, especially in the first days you drive hours per day because it's a new wheel and it's awesome yeah. and you want to try all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, my arms were quite tired <laughs> after a long session. So I really felt that in the beginning and I felt that actually a little bit of muscle is building up there in these yeah. places. So yeah, um, yeah I, can, I can confirm that. And can I... I'm just thinking now a silly question came to mind. You know, you you did a video of the Transfagaran, you know, the, the, the highway yeah. in Romania. Yeah. And yeah. you do yeah. a lot of kind of fun videos. You're kind of drifting and stuff. So if you're doing a video like that where there's a lot of real rotation, do you turn the strength down then? No, I have it. Uh, that's also very interesting, but that kind yeah. of goes for all force feedback wheels. I have one setting. I have dialed it in in the beginning and then every car kind of gets a different output in the sim to the wheel. So every car feels a little bit different yeah. in terms of the rotation that you need, the wheel lock that you need to get it to turn, yeah. how direct it feels, and the forces as well. So there's no need to fine-tune it to every single car or to turn it up or turn it down. You could do that, of course, to enhance the experience even further and say, yeah. I want to have a certain profile for open-wheel cars because they generally require more force to turn the wheel. Yes. Um, or I want to have an, a profile for modern cars with power steering and one for cars without power steering. You could do that. But honestly, I didn't feel that it's necessary at all because um, even with one setting for all cars, they still have their unique character that they display through the force feedback. And um, I don't exactly know how the Sims do it because yeah. it's quite amazing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. When you drive with a regular wheel, um, no matter how good the force feedback is, the wheel itself kind of makes it feel unrealistic to a degree. And you have the exact opposite effect with a direct drive wheel because it is so rock solid. It immediately reminds you of what you feel in a real car. And okay, um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how to put that in 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 the right words, but you kind of immediately get a feeling that this is real when you yeah. just lay your hands on the wheel and there's no flex. Especially now I have a real BMW uh, wheel mounted to the Echo yes. space. So that helps as well, I think. But yeah. um, it's hard to describe exactly what I mean, but it's kind of, you start from the other viewpoint. You start from this is real and then you get the force feedback effects. And sometimes they feel a little bit overdone or sometimes you can feel, okay, this is not quite realistic. This is not what I would feel in a car. Yeah. When you're driving a regular field, you start from the other viewpoint, you, you, you touch the wheel and you immediately know that this is not real because you can just feel it by turning the wheel, by flexing it. So I don't know if that comes across what, what, I, what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, no, but, no, um, I, I, I get what you mean. It's more the direct yeah. drive reel is literally more like driving a, 
uh, an actual steering mechanism inside a real car exactly. where you're, where you're I- feeling exactly. directly that's the road. Yeah. Very, yeah. That's very well said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Billy, have you ever tried a direct drive wheel? Yes. And what did you think? I have. Uh, I can understand why people like them. Yeah. Uh, to counter Alex's point, I think they all don't feel real. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> to um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have an issue using uh a lower, let's say grade wheel. Um you'll find most of the competitive guys do not use a lot of force feedback. I find most people use too much force feedback. Yeah. Um but it's all in perception as what the person is using that they think is realistic and that's what's great. We can tailor things to our how we like to perceive uh, the real world. Um, yes. I don't use real heavy force feedback. I'm, I care more about the detail. I know that direct drive wheels do a real good job at giving you the detail. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty happy with my TSPC racer. Yes. Um, I don't feel it's any more or less kid-like uh, than a direct drive wheel. Yeah. And um, yeah, I... For me, the wheelbase, the pedals are more important than the wheelbase. Um, okay. The wheelbase okay. is nice. It's, I, you know, you go from a T150. You know, I started out kind of like Alex. I had, we had a Mad Cats. I only played on consoles for a long time. I didn't have uh, a PC good enough to do any sort of uh, gaming with it. So yeah, I had like the old Mad Cats wheels. And then we went and I think it was PS2. We went and got the. In fact, I think I had the same one Alex did the, what is it? The driving force pro or GT or whatever it is. Um, And that was okay. I always felt like they were kind of gimmicky. So I went on and off using a wheel. Mm. And then I decided when I got started getting into, I think it was Forza, I want to say three or four. Yeah. I can't remember which one. But I started getting the Fanatic products, and I thought those were a much better step up from what I had previously felt, and I played with those for a while. And then, but I still found that I was faster with a controller. Mm. So I kind of was like, eh, I don't know. I was using the just a, a wheel stand, a Fanatic wheel stand at the time. And then I got a, a PC that I could actually start sim racing with. And yeah. so I got another... Another wheel stand, I got the Club Sport uh, V1, and I thought that was that was a nice step up from yeah. even the the one before. I It was uh, whatever was compatible with the, the Xbox 360. And then from there, um, I got frustrated because I wanted something that worked on a console and a, P- and a PC because mm-hmm. I still enjoyed, at the time, I still enjoyed playing uh, the Forza and Gran Turismo series and mm-hmm. Thrustmaster. I, I I had an issue with uh, Thrustmaster, or not Thrustmaster, a Fanatic product. And so I jumped ship and went to uh, Thrustmaster. And I think it was the TXs that I started with. And I thought that was pretty good. And then I bought uh, a T300 so that I could play on the PS3 and yes. 4. Yes. And then after that... Uh, I used that for, I used my T300 for a long time and just used the T, plug the TX in whenever I was doing um, anything with Forza. Yeah. But Forza kind of fell off the wagon for me, so I didn't use the TX as much. 
And then I went and um, when I was working with Inside Sim Racing, Thrustmaster sent me a TSPC racer yes, I remember, to try. Yeah. Mm. Um, and since then, I mean, I've tried an AccuForce. And that's the only one I've tried. Yeah. But uh, I've also tried a Club Sport 2.5. Yeah. And they're great wheels. I mean, they're great wheel bases. They work really well. I can totally understand why people go with the direct drive um, route. Yeah. Because it, it is a different feeling. And I think it speaks to the level of immersion that the person is looking for. Yes. And I think that, you know, for most people, it it's considered to be more immersive using a direct drive wheel. Mm. Again, I feel like in my experience, most people use too heavy of a force feedback. Mm. So on one end, using a direct drive wheel, I think it's actually putting inputs that aren't realistic in my opinion. Mm. It causes when I've watched you can literally watch people when they have it too high, the car will do things that it shouldn't be doing because it's literally yanking the wheel away from their hands. Yes. Um and while that can happen in a real car, I've had it happen in my real race car. Uh, it's not to the degree that is happening that I see when people have those forces turn too high. Uh, same thing goes for a Fanatic or a Thrustmaster, though. If you turn those up too high, you get clipping and you lose all the detail. Uh, and like I said, I'll reroute to most of the fast, really alien-like drivers don't typically, not all, I know some do, but majority do not use a direct drive wheel because they don't require what the direct drive wheel is doing in order to be good at their whatever uh, sim or discipline is. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting point. And I guess it's basically to each his own. You 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 spend your money and you, you go the, the route you want. And, and even, I think actually, Mitchy Hoyer is using a G29, if I remember correctly. And Georg Gardner... Yeah who's been on the show as well from Race Room in Sweden. He's also using a TSPC racer. And I guess you could say, I mean, there, there's a brand, I think it's Hori. You see them in the in the, in the stores. It's like really cheap, Correct. maybe 50, 60, 90, or $100. Those are, dare I say, they're kind of like toys. But once you get the... It's two, kind of like a T150 in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, T150 isn't bad, uh, yeah. especially if you don't have a lot of money to spend. Yeah. And, and again, it's all, you know, how much money do you have to spend and what is the level of immersion that you're looking for? Not necessarily, like you stated in the beginning, how fast do you want to be? And I've, I, I hear it every once in a while, hey, this, this direct drive wheel makes me uh, capable of correcting the car when I shouldn't be able to. Mm. Okay. I, I would say then that's, in my opinion, and it's not a slight against anybody, but if that, if you, if that is your conclusion with a direct drive wheel, I would say you're driving incorrectly. Okay. I'm just, I, I don't think that you should, I don't think that the wheel should be dictating your level of being able to catch the car. Mm. You should be able to do that regardless. Yeah. That's, that's my, yeah. and my experience. Yeah. I guess for me, um, and indeed back to the fact that I, you mentioned you don't use a lot of uh, force feedback, Billy, and I, indeed I recall you stating that in the in the past and indeed i made a i did i did a tutorial on on r factor 2 recently 
and I looked up your streams and indeed uh, William Marsh's streams as well and I was looking at your settings trying to get a gauge on how you guys were doing it because I know that you were using a TSPC racer and William was using a direct drive and and even from the from my familiarity with our factor 2 setup I was trying to get a guide on you know how how did it, did the um how did the settings compare you know yeah, I basically in R Factor 2 with the Thrustmaster settings that I have for the TSPC Racer. Yeah. Um, I play with a few things in the control panel, but I leave the strength at 75. I don't put it at 100. Yeah. Um, some people will say putting it at 100 allows you to get more of the information. I have not found that to be the case. Mm. Um, so factory comes 75. I just leave it at 75. And then I'm anywhere from, you know, 65 to 80 depending on the car yeah in in the actual game so yeah and i i, I think for me given my experience with thrustmaster i i have been interested now it's out of my price range <laughs> in many ways but i think i had been interested in a direct drive mechanism simply in in one in one way from the durability element of it because you have less to break you know and I don't right. know. I yes, don't know. No, you're correct. Yeah, I don't know what it was with my 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 initial two T300s. It might have been, for example, let's say if I I'm in the settings, you have the in-game settings and you have the Windows controller settings. I'm literally afraid to dial it up too high. I don't I don't run f force feedback too high. I mean, if there's a clipping application available in a game, I'm using that. And games like Dirt Rally, I'm, and in a way, I'm kind of avoiding, or I'm sort of, it's silly to say, but I'm kind of afraid to play it because with the, the sheer work on the wheel, it might actually break the mechanism. And then it's a lot of hassle to look into an RMA and you know and make sure that the right. wheel is within warranty. So I think that's one of the elements I, I think use, that's interesting. I use Dirt Rally with my T300 a lot. Yeah, and I never had that. I never had that problem, so I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe you're just getting a bad batch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah. There's no good, and it shouldn't be like that. No, I mean, there's no it excuse at all. I'm not Absolutely. To yeah. For, um. Yeah. It's just not been my. It's just not been my experience. Yeah. There's an old saying that look at the Irish, but in my case, it's not true. And and uh, back to you, Alex. Now. I want to link yeah. to it because you you have you have this um, Simrig link. You have a link to the Simrig videos in in all your videos. You actually have the dash of a car in your house, isn't it? So, yes, that is correct. Um, that was kind of a dream of mine that I had yeah. even as a kid back in the eighties. Yeah. I thought, oh man, it would be so cool to kind of it build is very cool. dash from a car. Yeah. And build your rig into it. Um, mostly i don't know why but i just think it's a cool idea uh, part of it is um the rig itself when you just have a, a space frame here it just is not very visually pleasing and um having the dash sitting sitting here is is just a nice thing to watch at and it's yeah. also a very nice thing to drive in i have the air conditioning working it's not cool air but i have the air vents working so i have a little bit of <laughs> air streaming into my face that's when awesome I'm, yeah. driving in vr and i can i didn't know that yours did that i saw the other parts i didn't know that the actual <laughs> air vents were working yeah yeah it's it's That's really rad. simple i just have a potentiometer a meter that um controls some pc fans some cooling fans yeah um i believe it was 120 millimeters that i 
um, installed into the dash. And yeah. um, no, I love it. It was uh, <laughs> it's, um, every project of mine that I that I've started. Um, I'm always very optimistic in terms of the time frame that I need to finish it. Yeah. And when I started it, I, I thought, oh, maybe it will be two or three weeks. It ended up being, I think, about three months until everything was finished. Um, but I'm super happy with it now, and it's very sturdy, and it just works, and yeah. I love it. But um, during the build process, there were quite many frustrating uh, moments in there <laughs> where you just had to problem solve how to get everything together and working. Yeah. Um, but no, I love it. It's it's uh, it's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I'm completely fascinated. So if you don't mind me asking, do you have a background in electronic engineering or something how do you how were you able to set all this up um not at all no um i have learned in the hotel industry um so i have no official um background in that area i yeah. just um i don't know um i think i i just uh, inherited that from my father who always liked to um to repair stuff and and tinker with stuff at home and yeah. um i always like to build things but i never really found an outlet where i could um you know make use of that interest uh, yeah. until i um started to build my own sim rig and that started actually relatively early that started 10 years ago where i just ordered a frame well i didn't really build it myself i ordered a frame that you had to assemble Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. But that gave me the first taste because you could modify it a little bit here and there. You could add a bracket here and there for the keyboard or a shifter or anything. Yeah. So I kind of got a taste for that. And then a few years ago, I started to look on eBay uh, in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep for some reason and thought about this again. And <laughs> I then, know the feeling, yeah. <laughs> Fever dreams. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and then uh, I, I looked for dashes on eBay and, and, and saw quite a few options and thought, oh, look at that, 50 bucks for an E36 dash, 80 yeah. bucks for an E46 dash and yeah. Mercedes dash and all kinds of dashes. And I thought, okay, effort um let's let's go for it and uh at half past two in the morning i ordered a bunch of crap that uh inevitably landed on my doorstep a few days later <laughs> and then uh, i started the process and okay. i learned a lot there was a lot of soldering and a lot of just a lot of troubleshooting in general to get yeah. everything solid and sturdy in the right place where it needs to be it sounds yeah. relatively easy when yeah. when you think about it, but it was quite tricky. And yeah, um, yeah it's very but time consuming, it, it, isn't it? Yes, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It, it was. I think about three months um, of of work in total, wow. off and on, not full time, but yeah. you know, quite a few hours per week. Um, I would say twenty to thirty hours per week. Yeah. And um, yeah, but I love it. It looks awesome. You clean it like you clean a regular car. You every now and then you have to get the brush out and get the dust off and all the yeah. kind of stuff. And um, I now have um, a small. It's not an iPad, but it's one of those Amazon tablets. I believe it was it was yeah. really cheap, like twenty bucks. Yeah. And I run SimDash. I don't know if you're aware of that software. Um, SimDash on that, so I have the real data from the sim that I'm actually currently driving yeah. on display in the in the dash, and <laughs> you can see it in the video. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a really neat little little detail. That yeah. was actually really easy to set up for a change. Yeah. But yeah. And I don't recall what what is the actual dash. What car is the dashboard from, Alex? Uh, it's actually from multiple cars. It's from an E46 BMW, which is um, 
the era around I would say from ninety eight to two thousand six, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um I chose that one because it's very good size. It's not too large, not too small. I really like the layout. It's a nice and clean and simple and elegant dash, I think. Yeah. And um I yeah, I, I ordered the main dash and then several other components from other vendors on eBay. So, so you ordered it from eBay, the dash? Yeah. yeah and it yeah, came in yeah. the post? Yes, it did. Quite <laughs> large packages. And What they um, did was they put it in a bunch of pieces and you had to glue it all back together. <laughs> yeah, actually, at first I thought about cutting it in half because yeah. it is quite wide, but yeah. I'm happy that I uh, that I didn't do that. I still have the yeah. glove box there and I have my Oculus Touch controllers in there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's but, great. Um, yeah, it is from it's amazing. three different yeah, cars. Absolutely amazing, um, yeah. 316 Compact was one and 320 Diesel uh, Touring was the center console. And yeah, uh, the handbrake and the gear shifter are in the correct position and that alone is very valuable especially in vr yeah. uh, i can use the armrest i have the handbrake right there i yeah. have uh my hand on the shifter everything feels and does the handbrake work right. in the sims it does yes it does it's a okay. fanatec uh, club sport handbrake okay um and i have the original bmw cover on that the suede cover with the m stitching <laughs> and um perfect yeah, yeah. So amazing nice. yeah and you, yeah. you, you said, I know that you, you mentioned this earlier and you've talked about it before on your channel, but you actually have a BMW wheel. So what then about, the, like, for example, sequential paddles? If you want to do sequential shifting, what do you do? I do, yeah, that was the biggest problem that I ran into. I yeah. dismantled the original AccuForce wheel. So I completely dismantled that, took off uh, all the switches, uh, took off uh, all the little circuit boards inside and put all of that into the BMW E46 <laughs> wheel, including the pedal shifters. And really? I even got, yeah, I even got most of the original uh, switches or buttons to work that are on the original BMW wheel. I installed the AccuForce switches, the press buttons uh, behind there. So, wow. um, yeah, most of that actually works, and I'm using the AccuForce pedal shifters, which I've mounted behind the BMW wheel, yeah. and um, that all works perfectly, which really? um, is kind of a surprise to me, but I'm taking it. <laughs> it's, it's, so did uh, you, I'm sorry, yeah. did you buy the, you bought the AccuForce setup with a wheel for it, because the direct drive motor is Correct. separate, isn't it? And then the wheel that you got, you kind of disassembled it, basically. Yes, um, okay. I used it for about a year before I did that. Yeah. I just want to mention that um, because yeah. I would not dare to do that on day one. No. But um, yeah, I <laughs> kind of the direct drive wheel was kind of what enabled me to do this because I thought a regular wheel would not have enough torque to move the bigger ah, wheel, uh, the real yeah, steering wheel, because yeah. you have a much right. larger diameter and yeah. the yeah. wheel itself is quite heavy. It's uh, yeah. Ah, I don't know, maybe maybe twelve pounds or something. It's it's yeah. pretty heavy, even without the airbag inside. Which of yeah. course yeah, you I get that heavier uh, wheel in there, you get all the dampening, you lose everything, all the exactly. detail. Exactly. So I thought, yeah. man, this wheel is so strong. I bet you could even put a rear steering wheel on there, and it wouldn't even notice. It would just keep on going, and that kind of set the whole process in motion. Yeah. And that was the trickiest part of the whole build to dismantle and that was actually a scary day i still remember that when i first started to yeah take the first screws out out of the 
AccuForce wheel and my head was okay I could k still go back from here on it's just two screws what and am then, I doing kind of a thing yeah 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 and then <laughs> it got serious and I dismantled yeah. the first buttons and the circuit boards and I thought oh okay I'm too deep now I have to go through yeah. with it <laughs> but no the wheel feels great um I don't know what it is but it actually made a bigger difference than I thought to have um a bigger diameter wheel because especially in VR, um, you see everything in front of you in one-to-one -one scale and you kind of grab your hands and or, or move your hands towards the steering wheel that you see. Yeah. And usually um, steering wheels are a lot, or sim racing wheels are a lot smaller than the real wheels in at least road-going sports cars. Yeah. So um, just uh, moving your hands towards the real wheel and feeling another real wheel of the same dimensions um, it was very, very... Um, awesome and noticeable actually in vr i did not i really did not expect that i thought it would feel good but it made a bigger difference than i thought just to change uh, the wheel yeah. without changing anything else and yeah. um no i really love it it's uh, it's sturdy it um it also has never skipped the beat and um every time when i sit down in there and record i i i still s often smile a little bit and yeah that's, you must um, do that's a good thing yeah and I noticed, I think um, I heard, I've heard reference to, for example, like inside the Thrustmaster wheel, there's like a metal core so that the force feedback can be translated from the motor. And indeed, it's probably the same with the original wheel that came with the AccuForce and, of course, even stronger with a direct drive motor running behind it. But would the core of the actual BMW wheel be the same so that the... So that the um, the vibrations are still kind of fed through the wheel. I guess you you haven't lost any of the effects because the wheel you're using is from a real car, isn't it so? Exactly. Um, so yeah. the way it works is the original AccuForce wheel was mounted to the base through um, a quick release. Yes. Um, that you It's actually a regular quick release that you would find in, in race cars, actually, from ah, what okay. I can tell or see. At least it's, it's the same mechanism, the ball bearing mechanism. And um, you have a few pins in there to transmit data, um, or in this case, the button touches. Yeah. And um, so that is relatively simple. And after I dismantled it, I just had a regular steering wheel rim, a metal wheel, mm. uh, with some relatively cheap rubber. That's actually, that was the worst part, or the only bad part, actually, about the AccuForce wheel was that the wheel itself felt relatively cheap. Um, in terms of how it was covered, it was not suede or artificial leather. It was uh, hard rubber, and yeah. that um, was not very nice. But anyway, so then I was left with a quick release that I mounted to the original um, E46 wheel, and then I had to feed all the cables through there wow. and connect all the switches and hotwire everything together and glue it into place and make sure that everything works. And um, no, it it, uh, it is indeed a metal base inside of the real steering wheel, which is no mm. surprise. Um, so I do not lose any effects. In fact, I, I know f that's probably a placebo effect, but I thought that the weight of the wheel actually helps mm. so that maybe in air quotes, unrealistic force feedback, uh, force feedback effects are a little bit smooth uh, smoothed out so you don't feel I am um, hard to describe it but I thought yeah. it had a positive effect on how the cars overall felt but that just might be placebo not sure yeah. but I thought the heavier wheel helped in comparison to the smaller lighter um, original wheel yeah kind of 
dampening and maybe evening out the effects in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And indeed, the wheel itself would be a, a higher quality product. There, I say. Indeed, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is. Uh, that was yeah. the most ap- expensive single item of the whole build. Was the I believe it was 260 euros, the um, BMW wheel. Yeah. And one thing I would like to add, um, in addition to our discussion earlier about force feedback effects, um, the bad side of direct drive wheels is that they are the opposite of plug and play. Not in the sense that you need to do a lot of stuff to get them working, but you have to dial them in. Because, ah, yes. um, and I completely agree with what has been said about sim racers generally using too much force feedback. In fact, when I started to dial the direct drive wheel in, I did a lot of comparison between my real car, which was an Audi A4 back uh, in that day. And yeah. I tried to very consciously steer the car when I was standing still. How much force do I need to actually turn the wheel and while I was driving? And I think that some or most actually modern steerings, especially the electric power steering systems that you have in most modern cars, actually give you less feedback than an average sim would do nowadays. Yeah, um, that's a good you point. You have to kind of uh, dial down the force feedback effects. But if you really, I spent probably days, if you add it all up, um, configuring the wheel and trying different effects, you do get these uh, the the third party software called Sim Commander, uh, where you can really detailed uh, you can really detail your force feedback and the effects that you want. You can um, calibrate everything, and it's very 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 complex. So you really need to yeah. sit down, take an afternoon, maybe two afternoons, and dial it in to what you think subjectively feels uh, feels best. But yeah. um, so that's that's a very big point. I think that I feel that I need to add that it's it takes time to dial it in, but when you have a setup that you like, um, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good. and that in a way is a segue to a point that I wanted to ask you about because not only do you have the cost of a direct drive wheel and the cost of a some kind of rig to support the sheer weight of it, but like I, I hear people talking about SimQ software and and like uh, William Marsh recently in a video for, about R Factor Two was talking about editing any files for this particular direct drive wheel and this particular software and mm-hmm. I won't say it turns me off but I like using a wheel on a PC is kind of I'll complica- say it, it turns com- me off yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah using yeah. a wheel on a PC even like dare I say, you know, a gear or belt driven wheel, it's complicated enough as it is. And if you go between uh, project cars and R factor two and uh, dirt rally and a set of course they're all, they all have their own UIs, their own implementations, but the principles is the same. So, you know, and, and when you, how, like, like you, you talked about dialing it in. I mean, where do you how do you go between the complicated software and then the individual like do you then have to dial it in for each individual title as well 
you know. Yes, you do. Um, oh, the good God. thing is once you have a base profile, you can copy that to another game, start there, and then maybe change the strength of some effects. But yeah. um, the initial dialing in of the first profile, um, how much vibration from the curbs do you want to feel in the wheel? Um, how much um, force um, should there be when you're standing still and trying to turn the tires without them you know, rolling? Yeah. Um, how much, uh, well, it's not really a center spring, but a similar effect. How much of that should that be? Uh, should there be? And um, there are quite a few. There's a list of maybe 12 effects that you can um, add to the wheel in this software. Yeah. Um, they all have different names, and then you can go into detail with each of those effects and configure the frequency in some cases, uh, the strength, um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So um, that takes a while, but I have to say I'm not usually a guy who likes to do that. I'm, I just want to plug things in and want to have fun. <laughs> but even still, yeah. um, I would go through all of that again to have this result. Um, it is, I think it's something once you've driven with it for a while, you just don't want to miss it anymore. But on the other hand, and, yeah. and I think that's also a very big point, did I have really less fun with my Driving Force Pro back in the day? Definitely not. No. Um, it, was I slower? Definitely not. Um, so that's another myth. Um, a direct drive wheel will not make you faster. No. Not at all. It, no. In fact, it might do the opposite at first. Yeah. And it also, I can see that some people dial it up a little so it kind of auto-corrects your drifts or your oversteer situations. Mm. But you still need the human hand to fine-tune that because it would just be like, but in real life, uh, the, the comparison would be just taking your hands off the wheel while you're drifting. Uh, that alone will not keep the car on the road. Um, you still mm. have to do something. But um, a direct drive wheel will not make you faster. And earlier I said maybe overall it's more fun. That's not quite correct. It's more fun to me now. Yeah. But um, you can have just as much fun with, with a regular 900-degree four-speed wheel, I That's think. That's true. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of... Um, I always aim for the most realistic um, setting. I always try to replicate what I feel in real life yeah. to the highest degree possible. It's kind of a pet peeve, which is why I went for the cockpit. I wanted to have the exact same layout and um, yeah. I wanted to have a quote-unquote real handbrake, real shifter boot, mm. real uh, shift knob and all that kind of stuff. I just like that kind of stuff, but um, you can have just as much fun with a regular wheel. That's true. Well, it just, again, it speaks to the level of immersion that you're looking for. And I think exactly. that yeah. if yeah. you want the experience of a direct drive wheel, then you should do it if you can yeah. afford it. And yeah. you... True. True. Feel that's going to add to the immersion level. I'm all for it, and I think uh, what you're saying is that it's not necessarily more fun, but you find a a greater uh, immersion level using yeah, a direct exactly. drive setup. And I think that's I think that's great. I think that's yeah. why we have. I think it's so awesome. We we're in a time now where we have so many options between the hardware we can use and the sims that we can run, and I just it's a lot of options available. We can literally do what we want and get what we want out of it. Yeah, that's true. It's a whole different ballgame in comparison to just a few years ago. And one one last little anecdote uh, about yeah. direct drive wheels. Why I 
got interested in them in the first place, I watched a um, documentary about the Ferrari F1 simulator. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have been 10 years ago. And I saw them describe that simulator, the hardware that they're using. And the guy said, yeah, this is a direct drive wheel and it can put out so much force. It uh, replicates the steering forces one-to-one. And I Googled that and I immediately knew I, I just have to have one of those <laughs> eventually okay. if, yeah. if it's at least somewhat affordable. And I read about them, and at that point, there were like uh, 25K and four commercial applications only. So uh, I closed that topic quickly back then. But um, I <laughs> yeah. always kept an eye on the market. And as soon as I saw the AccuForce, uh, I thought, okay, now now's the time to jump, jump yeah. on there. And uh, we talked about this with, uh, we talked about screens in VR when William Marsh was on. Um, Alex, you have a... 1080p projector isn't it so uh actually a 4k projector that's right sorry i recall now yeah so you don't have a monitor in front of the dashboard so you don't or no no i don't um i almost exclusively uh race in vr yes um these days going to ask you with uh, some exceptions forza unfortunately doesn't support it and i use that from time to time no um BeamNG is something else that I've uh, spent a little bit of time with in the past weeks. Yeah. And that also does not support VR and probably won't for a while. No. But um, I can totally see why people are skeptical about VR in its current uh, form. Mm-hmm. Um, there are quite a few drawbacks. However, I feel that the sensation of actually sitting in a full-sized car of actually sitting in a freaking Ferrari F40 and being able to look around and yeah. um, taking all the details is just so good, even with the relatively low resolution and all the other stuff. Mm. But I just couldn't go back to racing yeah. in 2D. Um, but again, I, I understand that, that people are skeptical about it. Um, but for me personally, um, um, yeah, you you might already have guessed it, but immersion is kind of my thing. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. virtual reality uh, uh, works perfectly with the wheel and the rig, and I would not go back. Yeah, and I I've seen that comment many times, like people asking on Reddit, "Is VR worth it?" And people go, "Yeah, I bought a VR and I sold my triple screens, and I I wouldn't go back," and so on. And indeed, you've you've kind of suggested the same when using a, a direct drive wheel. But is it fair to say that when you have the the VR headset on, you kind of don't see the dash dashboard of the car? I mean, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, got quite a few people confused, and I can see that as well. Yeah, they say, "Oh man, yeah. why why are you building this beautiful dash when you're just uh, driving in VR?" But it's more about the haptics than the visuals yes. in this case. Yeah. It's about having the armrest, having yes. the handbrake yeah. where I intuitively know it should be. Uh, same with the shifter. Um, mm. Having a center console to kind of rest your leg against what I automatically do in a car um so you kind of feel at home more easily Mm. and especially in vr it was kind of tricky to get comfortable in a cockpit in the cockpit i had before which was um well not not bad but it was just a metal frame so to speak and yeah um yeah hard to describe but it it does add a lot even when you are wearing a vr uh, headset yeah and even maybe it's just down to the fact that you know that it's there and it's something that you wanted to have. And I guess in a way for you, yeah. the, the, the 
the visual model, be it a two-dimensional screen or VR, that's separate from having the dash there. I mean, you've you've bought the dash as second-hand parts and you've kind of assembled everything together. That was a project you did and, and then VR came along and you had to have that as well. So so they, they go together, yeah. but they're kind of separate yeah. concepts, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they work well together and um, I would not want to miss either of them. But again, I can see that some people say, no, I still prefer triple screens, uh, the, re yeah. uh, the refresh rate alone. I can drive at 120 hertz, maybe, uh, probably not with a triple screen, but at a higher refresh rate, I get more detail from the SIM or whatever. Um, I get that, but um, for me, the first time when I first tried the Oculus DK1 back, I don't know, oh God, when was that? Five Tw years ago, maybe? Something four years like ago. that, yeah, 20. Uh, 20 I was yeah. immediately immediately blown away. And mm. back then, I think it was Live for Speed that supported it very early on. And yeah. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. I need this, I want this. Uh, it just felt, felt immediately right. Yeah. And um, I'm very curious to see how the second gen headsets will develop and how they turn out and um, I'm having big hopes for the future of VR mm. but at the same time I would have hoped that um, it would be a little bit further along uh, in 2018. Um, would you have asked me a few years ago where will be VR in 2018? I would have made a much more optimistic guess than yeah. where it actually is right now. Yeah. What happened like with with Palmer Loki he's not... I don't think he's really that involved that much with Oculus, and I guess the the HTC Vive Pro was not what people expected. It was, I guess, people were expecting perhaps more of a quantum leap. But it's also it's also down to processing power and whatever Nvidia and AMD are making available. So, yeah, it's it's a dance on a tightrope right now. You can't yeah. push the hardware too far too quickly because the GPUs. Uh, have to keep up. On the other mm. hand, uh, software developments um, like foveated rendering for, uh, rendering, for example, go into a direction where VR actually will not be that hardware expensive, or at least not more than traditional 2D gaming. Mm. Um, when you have um, uh, tracked eye movements, for example, and you can see where the player is focusing on and you push all the pixel and all the quality in that spot and the surrounding areas that are sort of in your periphery um, get kind of downgraded without you actually noticing it. Um, yeah. So there are quite a few tricks that you can do to reduce the hardware um, needs of, of virtual reality. Um, but that's kind of in the process right now of coming to fruition. We are not quite there yet. But yeah, yeah um, as an early adopter, um, I'm quite happy with my headset and I use it a lot. Yeah. But um, after a few years of using it now, I'm also quite stoked to get my hands on to something new, whenever that might appear on yeah. the market. And Billy, you're using a single widescreen aspect ratio monitor, wasn't it so? Yes. Yeah. And have you ever tried the VR? I have. Mm. What did you think? Um, I have an unpopular opinion about it. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I... I, uh, again, I don't, I think that people, when they, they get into it, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, if you like VR, cool. Um, cause I can understand, I think where VR helps is when a person, whether they're new or seasoned has 
problems translating the information on a 2D screen mm-hmm. to 3D in their brain. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think that's where that comes into play. I think yes. for a new person especially, it's easier for somebody that doesn't do like sim driving or sim racing and put on a VR headset and they they instantly get it because I think it's more familiar to them. I'm kind of on the other end where I'm like, I never feel like I'm actually sitting in a car. I'm like, yeah, <clears throat> pardon me. I, I I can see in 3D, but I don't have any of the forces happening. Yeah. So that immediately takes me out of the experience because I, you know, having raced, I, I know what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. So not, it's just like the direct drive thing. Like I get it from an immersive level. I totally understand why people like it. Yeah. I don't feel that it's quote unquote any more realistic or it makes me feel like I'm driving a car because mm-hmm. I know I'm not. So it doesn't prick my brain into thinking. So I think it's after the initial shock and awe of it all, like I did one where um, the first thing I tried was like some dinosaur thing. Uh, and I was like, holy crap, like look at the size. And it uh, initially it's impressive. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, but I can't really see all that well. And my glasses, you know, I wear glasses and my glasses are kind of in the way. And I'm like, ah, this is kind of annoying. And then it gets hot and I'm like, this doesn't feel very good. And then like after that kind of initial impression wears off, I kind of went, I don't know if this is for me. Like it's interesting, but I would never, I see people not saying that everybody does this. I know they don't, but Mm -hmm. I see some people like crank their head to the left and crank their head to the right and get up and or move around in a car. I'm like, look, if you were racing, you, unless you're racing an old school car, like an old formula car or something like that, the seats we have now in a modern day car and the head and neck restraint devices that we use can't turn your head that far. It doesn't happen. No. So, you know, and plus when I look through that, um, when I had the headset on, I still don't feel like I'm wearing a helmet because the helmet restricts your vision more. Mm. So I, I, I kind of fall in again, you know, I think part of it is to my detriment I've raced before. So some of these things don't impress me as much as it would other people. And again, I can totally understand why they do because Mm. take my uh, somewhat jaded, I guess, perspective out of it. It is really impressive. It is really amazing that you can put this thing on and you can see in a 3D uh, environment, you know, you, you can look into the apex and, and, and all that. So I, I, I get it. I also understand why people run triples. Uh, I think if you're competitive in the sim racing space, I think triples make complete sense. Mm. Um, but I do not find them more immersive than me running my ultra wide. Yeah. I really, really enjoy running my ultra wide. It gives me a almost the perspective range that I would be able to look in a, in a modern day race car. Yeah. So I don't have the issue that maybe a standard 16 by nine, uh, you know, 1920 by 1080 aspect would give you in a single monitor. I think if you're running that, I think VR makes sense. I think if you're space limited, I think VR makes sense. Um, Because if you come down, if you start getting into better refresh rates and stuff like that with your monitors, um, you can kind of go, well, I can spend this much on a monitor or triple monitors, or I can buy VR. And I don't have a lot of space 
Yeah, I think VR true. makes Yeah. So I think there's really a lot of pros to VR. Um, yeah. Just in my environment, it uh, it's not necessary. Yeah. And based on your experience, like you said, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and like yeah. I said, it's not yeah. that I'm trying to like no. poo-poo no. on everything and no, say, you know, VR sucks. It no. doesn't suck. No. It doesn't suck. I just no. It's just not. I'm yeah. really intrigued, like Alex said, I'm really intrigued where the next generation of it goes because mm. I kind of do this thing where like we fought for so long to have such a nice a visual fidelity in our monitors and then we put the vr <laughs> headset true. on and then i can't see that's, you know that's a good point and i'm like yeah. ah like it bothers me to that degree because i'm like we fought yeah. for so long to have such nice visuals and now we've gone backwards with this yeah. so i'm really intrigued to see where the visuals are for the next the the true next generation if they even get to that point yeah, um, yeah. So if the visuals get upgraded, I will be more likely to jump into VR because that's really my biggest hangout. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting that you you made that point that now, um, just thinking of what you've said, like I've heard that a lot. Yeah, it allows you to see into an apex. I think it was was, uh, Paul Coleman, the designer of Dirt Rally, when they added VR to Dirt Rally, it allows you to see into the apex of a corner. And I've heard many people say that, but you said something interesting, Billy, that for somebody who doesn't sim race or who doesn't actively game, they put on the the VR headset and it's like, then they get it. That's an interesting aspect, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think think you'll find that most people, at least the people that I've talked to that don't have a lot of experience or perhaps struggle with looking translating you know we're all how do i say this we're we we all experience things just a little different like some people can tell if their frame rate drops below 144 right Mm. i can't yeah i cannot tell the difference i can't tell the difference till it drops below about 80 Mm. And that's just because of how my brain is processing what's going on. Some people can. I think some people are more sensitive to that higher frame rate. I yeah. think that's just how we're wired. Yeah. I also think that some people have a very hard time interpreting a 3D environment on a 2D screen then to translate that back into a 3D environment into their brain. Yes, I think it just takes them a little longer process. So they're not, it's, it just never quite clicks. And I think that somebody like that or somebody brand new puts on a VR headset. I, in my experience with the people that I've talked to, then they instantly get it. They understand more and they can find the apex better. They're not missing their lines. So for like a really experienced guy that's running in triples, um, like an alien or even just a quick sim racer, I don't think it's going to make a difference. You know, I don't think putting on a VR headset is going to make a difference. But I think if you're struggling, you know, or if I think you're new and you're not, you just feel like it's not clicking. Yeah. I think VR yeah. actually will help you get better. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And what's the, you have a, is it a 21 by nine screen you have, Billy? Is it? Yeah. Yes. I have the yeah. BenQ. What is it? The XR 3501. Yeah. And the refresh rate. And I what's love it. what's the great. native refresh rate on that then? Is it, it's more than 60. It's 144. It? 144. It's 144. Wow. Yeah. And I guess yeah. you need a relatively high GPU to run that. Is it a 1070 you have, or what is it? 
Yeah, I have yeah. a 1070 and it runs it it runs it just fine. It runs yeah. it perfect. I Sound, can really crank things sounds up. Sounds like a and, good uh, kind of it um it's interesting. It sounds like a good median setup because you said that like it's like you said with the 21 by 9 the widescreen you you as far as you're concerned it's like what you would see from the from the from the seat of a real race car. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, if you got your if you've got your yeah. field of view set correctly, it's yeah. pretty close. Like yeah. I can yeah. see you know, I can see earlier into a corner. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it kind of bridges the gap because, I you know, putting triples on is like, I don't know if I really need to go that far with triples. And, yeah. you know, I was trying to figure out like the refresh rate, like what am I actually going to be able to use? And yeah. I just kind of landed on that monitor going, this, what, what's funny is I actually had an ultra wide before that. That was only, it was a Dell that was capped at 60. Yes. And I, and it was a much cheaper monitor. Yeah. So then it kind of clued me into, I really like this, but I want a little, you know, the response rate is only like one or two milliseconds in it. Um, so it was, it's a better, I mean, it's a really nice monitor and I paid, you know, I paid quite a bit for it, I'd, I'd but I felt that did, outweighed. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That, yeah. that kind of outweighed me getting triples. Cause I really didn't have at the time didn't really have room to put triples i didn't have a, a no. monitor stand at the time that i was happy with to put no. triples on no. so this was kind of like my bridging of the gap between all scenarios available yeah yeah and I indeed <laughs> you talked about uh, like a 1080p 16.9 that's what i have and it's it's uh, 60 hertz max but it and then i i use this track ir thing which many people discredit but it's yeah it's, it's okay for me like i and i I just work like it's for many of us. You work with what you have, and and Billy, yeah. I think that like you said um, earlier when you started to answer the question, the unpopular view. I don't, I, I the unpopular view. I don't see it that way, and that's why this show is called Perspectives because it's everybody's everybody's angle is relevant, you know, and everybody's in, entitled to their opinion. And the way that's how I want it to be. So. If somebody talks about something and then the other guy says, ah, that's a lot of nonsense. That's, that's how it should be, you know, because, because, <laughs> because for everybody, for everybody it's different. Um, Alex has his setup and indeed he's very passionate about his gear and, and, and you the same. And you're coming from the, from the, the real world, real, real world of racing, sorry. And then, so it's you know, e each to his own. So I'm kind of, I'm on the, I suppose I'm on the kind of the median end and indeed coming back to space and setups and it's a the final point if I if I if I may and it kind of segues into that and one of the notes I had was the, about rigs so for example setups and simple versus complex so for many of us we'd have a, a PC or a console Xbox or PlayStation and then we'd have a TV or a monitor and maybe just an office chair and some people get this one of those foldable chairs from ikea and so on and uh, sure. i have my that's what i did for a yeah. long time that's what i did yeah and what and then um i have this uh wheel stand pro which which i, I think is made in europe actually and then um uh -huh. what actually i was in um when i was on vacation um during the summer i was in i was in vienna actually i was in um uh, I was in a, a, a electronic store in Vienna and I saw one of the race room rigs. Actually, I hadn't actually seen one before. And then there's RC. There's, so there seems to be many different types of um, pri you know, prices and setups that you can get. And then 
for example, and the, the final note I has is I have is like what kind of rig is needed for a direct drive wheel due to the weight. I mean, Alex, you have a, I get I gather your setup is based on a a, um, a series of uh, uh, aluminium pieces that are kind of bolted together because the dash is heavy. Correct. And indeed, as yes. is as is the Acriforce, and it comes down to um, different choices because and. Um, if I remember, uh, Jim, Jimmy Broadbent did a kind of a small tour of his sim racing shed, as he calls it, and he has basically like a aluminium kind of frame to hold to hold it, like the, the the weight of the wheel. And I guess yeah, what is I, that? The eighty twenty. Yeah. Is that yeah? And I guess there are as many kind of setup options, uh, kind of with uh, there are many like physical rig options as there are setup options and indeed every other day on on um on uh, reddit reddit you see people posting their setups and people going oh your 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 wheel is too far from the tv or that's the wrong tv or some people have tri triples and some people have tvs and single monitors so and i guess it's 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 a it, like we we started with the kind of the going from the gear driven to belt driven and then to direct drive and indeed the, i think that the ranges of rigs can is kind of the the, the breadth of the selection of rigs is kind of a, as wide if even wider because i basically have a desk and um i have a i have a wheel stand pro and what i did was actually i made <laughs> would you believe i made these kind of there's a desk and there's a there's a, there's a kind of a gap in the middle of it and i have these pieces of cardboard that i kind of created and when i when i slide in the wheel stand pro i if i want to race i slide in the wheel stand pro and i use these kind of blocks i made to kind of wedge it so that it doesn't move around you know whereas other yeah. people i guess and then i guess billy you have a kind of a permanent location where you race so what kind of rig or what kind of setup do you have I use a, what is it, the GT Omega, the ART yeah. uh, rig, uh, yeah. but then I use, I had their wheel, their monitor stand for a while, Yeah. Um, but it, because of the direct drive and, uh, not direct drive, primary, the, uh, the wheels that I was using, uh, it would tend to shake the monitor. Yes. Because all the vibration from the, even though I wouldn't feel any flex in the, in what I was using, all the vibration got translated into the monitor and it would yeah. drive me nuts. So I got a, a monitor stand separately okay. from the rig itself. So it's a, it's a Rickmotech, uh, their, their monitor stand that okay. I got. Um, yeah, I mean, it works, it works great. I've heard people put a direct drive wheel on it and they say it's fine. I myself have not tried that, so I don't know, but I don't notice anything, you know, weird with it. Yeah. It it works pretty works pretty good. And I always I get asked to make a video on this and someday I will, but I always tell people when they when they start there we can argue over something being correct, but I can't argue something that you're feeling. So in other words, if somebody's going to ask me what to do to set up, I'm going to tell you to put your monitor as close to the wheelbase as you possibly can use yes. the correct field of view mm. within, you know, 10 ish degrees. Mm. There's a correct eye height to have mm. to your, in relation to where your monitor is. Um, so if we're talking like things being correct than that, but if somebody likes to race in their living room, you know, five feet from their TV, 
I can't tell them that they're wrong. No, that's true. Because that's how they feel. They're just <laughs> enjoying true. what it, exactly. what they're doing. Exactly. And it's all but about having fun, ask, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but if you're exactly. going to ask me, you know, yeah. hey, what should I do yeah. to get the most immersive or, or uh, get the most out of my experience, I'm going to tell you, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. You know, and you need to get, well, this goes back to equipment that we were talking about earlier. Get used to your equipment. Mm. Figure out the settings within the sim that are available to you to get the most out of what you're doing. In other words, if there's a brake sensitivity, if there's a throttle sensitivity, whatever, you know, people make the mistake of, well, the hundred is the mo- is what the realistic and I'm like, but we're not all using the same equipment. So that doesn't, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. We're not all using the same equipment. So yeah. if everybody's using the same stuff, then yes, you could say that a hundred percent is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But if 100% is, you know, they tested on a G27, mm. you know, and then you, you come in with a direct drive wheel, or if you are the opposite, maybe they tested with a direct drive wheel and you, you're, you've got a G27, like, don't be afraid to move those sliders around. They're in there for a reason. That's true. Yeah. So, so yeah, people get caught up on, you know, hundred percent supposed to be the most realistic. And I'm like, well, maybe in a certain scenario, yes, maybe in the scenario that they tested, mm. but we all don't run the same equipment. No. So don't no. get hung up on that stuff. Just yeah. adjust it to where you feel it's no different than buying a rig or using a wheel stand or like I did a folding chair, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter. No. You just figure out what works for you and exactly. then, and then just do it. Just With have the fun. time and the space that you have. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, my, my rig isn't super complicated. Um, I don't have anything super fancy on there. Yeah. Uh, it's just, but it, it, it serves the purpose. It, one of the reasons I got it, cause it came with, uh, you could get casters yeah. for it. So if I, you know, if I do need to move it, I can. Ah, so yeah, I like that's that a good point. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. Alex, you have a, is it a real car seat you have in your rig? Uh, yes, I had that actually long before I had the dash set up. Yeah. Um, I had that seat for, I think, about 12 years now. Yeah. Um, and before that, I've uh, usually um, raced in very uncomfortable positions. Um, I did the IKEA chair with a wob- wobbly desk and <laughs> everything was shaking yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. all that kind of stuff, especially back in the day with the heavy 19-inch monitors, the CRT monitors. Mm. Um, everything was a little bit... Um, yeah, it was different. But um, yeah, I completely agree that you don't really need a fancy rig to have fun. Just no, use no. what you what you have. Yeah. Uh, use the space that you have as well as you can. Yeah. And I also completely agree with a good force feedback setup. I think a lot is left on the road, so to speak, by not um, experimenting a little bit with, a, with the settings and trying to find a better profile that fits your needs. Yeah. I think uh, that's a very important thing as well, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've i used the expression before. I think there are as many setup, setups as there are snowflakes kind of a thing, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind true. of like eats to its own. And Alex, I'm, I meant to ask you, and then I somehow forgot. Be, in the dash, you have the real gear stick in the dash of the yes. car. What's, what's below that? The, the, your H pattern shifter, how does that work? Yes, that's a TSWH shifter is what it's called. Okay. Um, it's quite a pricey shifter. I think it was about 
400 euros, which is quite a lot. Um, I went for that one because I went through, I think, about five or six shifters before that. They all broke in various forms and fashions over the years of use. Um, Yeah, the last one before that was a Fanatec 8 shifter. Yeah, um, which felt great, but um, again, after a while, it just um, started to produce bugs more often than not. And yeah, um, if there's one thing that I really don't like is um, sitting down trying to enjoy a nice drive, and you get another bug that you have to solve uh, or that you try to solve for about an hour until you give up and drive without a shifter. Yeah. Um, so I I really like reliability and sturdiness in my sim racing hardware yeah and um yeah the tsw8 shifter i'm using that one uh, for a bit longer than i have the direct drive wheel i would say yeah um so maybe four years a bit over three years and it absolutely is rock solid has um never skipped a single beat it's really it's really good it feels pretty damn good i think the fanatec shifter was a little bit better in stock form in terms of how it feels. Yeah. I think for some reason it must be really tricky to replicate the way a real car shifter feels without having a, a gearbox attached to it because yeah. Yeah, it's very, every single very shifter that I've used for sim racing feels okay-ish, but mm. it's nowhere near close to what you feel in a, in a real car. Mm. Um so and uh, I trust these people that engineer that stuff that they are really smart and they've tried uh, quite a few options. So it just has to be relatively difficult to get that haptic right. Um, but the TSW shifter that I'm using right now is doing a solid job. Uh, it works all the time, and I've modeled it a little bit to give a little bit more resistance to the movement. Okay. Uh, with a few extra springs, but. Um, no, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. I think uh, I, I, in real cars as well, I do prefer a manual uh, shifter to an automatic. Yeah, um, I always do. So I just like, I just like shifting gears manually. Yeah, and having an H shifter certainly adds to the sim racing experience. Yeah. And the DSW, uh, Alex, who's that made by then? Is it some kind of specialist item or? Um, I can Google it quite uh, quickly yeah. here. Give me a second. Yeah. But it was expensive anyway, so... It yeah. was. Yes, yeah. it was. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I remember thinking, I hope that that thing doesn't break as well after yeah. a few months. Yeah. Um, TSW Speed Shifter, $410. It's made by thomassuperwheel.com. Yeah. Whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever he is, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, but Tom all I can say is he, yeah. he does a solid shifter, yeah. Yeah. And I guess we've spent a lot of time. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead, but go ahead. we've spent a lot of time on the wheelbases. What pedals are you guys running? Uh, in my case, Fanate Club Sport pedals version three inverted. Um, so uh, they're not all standing up, but I, uh-huh. I I mostly drive road cars. I usually prefer road cars over race cars, so. Um, that's why I chose those. And they, the brake especially, ah, so awesome. I think the brake pedal, that's again something that when you have a really good brake pedal, um, you j- then realize how, uh, quote-unquote, bad the other ones were that you drove before. Yes, um, Most sure. pedals nowadays offer a load cell for the brake, so most of them are very, very good. 
Um, but um, yeah, this one does have a load cell as well and feels really good. Mm. Um, I've, I've often think uh, or thought over the years, um, I think, might is there a chance that we will see force feedback in pedals or maybe even shifters? someday in the future because i think there's a point to be made for that especially in the break when it starts to fade or how much travel you have in a certain car maybe you could replicate that somehow i would like to have a bit more um or to to have a closer connection to the car that i'm driving in the sim yeah so right now every car feels the same in terms of the pedal feedback but That's as you point. all know yeah. there's there's a huge difference um in or a huge range uh when you drive real cars um how in, when it comes to how the pedals feel i mean gas pedal is not as important but clutch and brake i think it would be kind of cool to um have that little bit dynamic yeah but um yeah unfortunately we're not there yet but the Fanatec no. pedals um they are really really good yeah that's what i've heard so far i'm running billy i'm running the um T3 PA set that came with the T300 and I have the um, the mod that kind of the the mod that came in the box added it actually took me ages to figure out that the calibration of the pedal so when I uh, every time I connect the um, base to the PC I have to kind of calibrate the pedal um, using the controller because the tra because with the um, the the mod behind the pedal the the travel of the pedal is so much shorter so i have to make sure that the the controller software is correctly um um detecting the you know the the depression on the pedal because with this um it's this con conical brake mod thingy so basically all it yes. does all it does is technically it just reduces the travel on the pedal so you have to press harder to get the pedal to run to 100% basically so yeah and how about no, you? I, I uh, used that for a while. Yeah. And what pedals are you running, Billy, then? I'm running the Fanatic V3Is. Okay. So the the inverted version three. Yeah. Um, I, I've i tried, you know, obviously we started, if you started way back in the day, the yeah. pedals came with the wheelbase and those were just, you know, kind of whatever. Um, And then when I got my Forza set up, I bought... Uh, the CSL Elite, and then got the inversion kit. Yeah, I don't know if it came out right away or later, but I ended up getting the inversion kit. I thought those were great. Yeah, those are actually still to this day. I know you can't find or buy them from uh, Fanatic anymore, but those were a great pedal. Load cell has a nice brake feel to it. Yeah, um, really, just I think a, a nice set of pedals. And then when I bought the Thrustmaster stuff, um, it came. Uh, the deal that I got came with the one that you have, mm. uh, Davey, that's got yep. the uh, brake mod in it. And actually, really, for the price of those pedals, they, they're they actually pretty good. The The conical brake mod gives you a progressive feel. While yes. it may not be a load cell, no. um, it does a nice job bridging the gap between a standard potentiometer pedal. Yeah. Um, I think they actually, if you can tune them right, they're actually a pretty good pedal. Yeah. They they yeah. they work well. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I ran those for a, quite a while, and then I I decided that I wanted um to try something different. So I got a Rickmotech set of pedals, the Pro. I think they were GT ones or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
and those were a hydraulic brake. Mm. And while I found I I really, really liked the throttle pedal on that one. Out of all the throttle pedals that I've ever tried, that Rick Motec one, best one I've ever run. Yeah. It just felt right. Um, the brake, however, it was supposed to be more realistic, but what I ended up finding was I had a very, very hard time getting adjusted to it. And mm. what was supposed to feel real actually confused my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it just it messed with me it 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 required such a short travel to play with yeah. that it it messed me up and i was while i was a little faster with the pedals than the than the uh thrustmaster pedals i mean i was faster i think yeah. that if, if you want to talk about gaining speed yeah i think pedals are what actually will gain you some speed you reckon um because the brake, is, uh, to me, if you're going to point to the most important thing on your setup, it's the brake. Yeah. And how well you can adapt to the brake setting. So if, you, if you're running a set of G27 pedals and you've got your brake down pat, then you don't need a better set of pedals. But if no. you're struggling, yeah, like I was, I, 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 I was struggling with the braking because my, again, my race car days and stuff, is, it, it my brain kind of goes, you're supposed to be feeling X and you're not getting that feedback. So now you've got to like kind of get adjusted to something and constantly your brain goes, I see a race car. I see a screen. I, you know, I see these things in front of me and I'm supposed to be doing this accurate, uh, accurately, but my, it's, it's just not clicking. So I went through several different pedals. Um, so the, the Rickmo tech, while they were really nice, the brake just wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I found that it just over time I got frustrated. So uh during the sale that they had, the Black Friday sale, I think, the uh the V3Is from Fanatic went on sale. I had actually though, take that back. Before that, I had actually put my CSL Elites back on my rig. Yeah. And was quicker than the Rickmotech set. Oh really? So I was like, okay, I really like the brake force on this. I like how it's going. And then the V3Is went on sale. I was like, I really like those pedals, and I really like that whole elastomer thing. So I got the elastomer kit that come, you know, you purchase separate from it. It's an add-on. Yeah. And between that, you know, finding the right combination of elastomers to put in there, I absolutely love the brake feel Yeah. in this set of pedals. I, and I am yeah. much quicker again. And it's it's not... Um, it just gives you the, uh, to Alex's point, you know, making kind of everything feel the same. Um, yes, it, it kind of does. But for me, it helps me adapt quicker. Hmm. So having the brake feel the same, it makes it quicker. Like I was very particular in race cars with the brake feel. Hmm. Like I, I wanted a certain feeling out of the brakes. So I made adjustments in the car to make the brake try to feel as close as I wanted it to. Yeah. Same thing with the throw of the throttle pedal. Like I, I, I mean, I even in the sprint car, cause you kind of sit upright. I actually turned my throttle pedal sideways a little bit. Yeah. For your natural, you know, the natural curve of your foot. Yeah. So you, your foot doesn't tend to naturally point straight out. It kind of, you know, mine kind of tips to the side just a little bit. So I turn my throttle pedal to to do that. So, you know, these are things you can do in a race car. And I feel like you can do the same thing with your, your sim racing setup. Having the brake feel for me 
do what I want it to do every time, even though the car may react different. I know where I'm at at all times with that brake feel. So I really enjoy those pedals a lot. And you, and both of you guys mentioned the inversions and forgive my ignorance here, but if I remember correctly, the, the Thrustmaster T500 came with these, um, or you could get them with the T3PA Pro, this kind of big set of pedals with this kind of stainless steel back. And you could set it so that the, the, that you could invert the pedal so the pedal mechanism looked like it is in a real car. Isn't it so? Rather yes. than the, yes. the, the, pedal, the pedal mechanism being below the pedal, it's kind of above it. So is that what you mean in terms of the Im- being inverted? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I had the T three PAs. Yeah, yeah, I had the T three PAs inverted. I got that Pro Edition, and I had those inverted as well. I just prefer the inverted feel for the brake a little yeah. better, even though I know uh, Formula cars will use um, it mounted to the floorboard. Even you know carts, even my sprint car. You know the the well, no, actually my sprint car. It's not like that. So yeah, it's a very odd setup for my brake pedal in the sprint car. It's neither inverted nor bolted to the to the uh floorboard so yeah. it's it's a very odd thing yeah uh but yeah like gt cars i've been in stuff you know those typically will be inverted or like you know you look at a stock car like a nascar truck yeah. or whatever those yeah. are inverted as well yeah um i just like the feel of those yeah they, they just i don't know make sense to me more yeah and now now that i'm thinking of it the pedals and then the wheel. How important then is the your seating position now? Of course, it comes back to each to his own. But in terms of your your seating, I mean, I have a I have an office chair that I got there. I say as cheap as possible, and it has the ability to kind of I can I can set it so that it, it can kind of lean back. So in my head, I'm kind of in a driving position, so to speak. I mean, it's not the same as being in a real car or being in a in a in an R seat or a GT Omega cockpit or even in a race room seat. So, how how is it? And you've driven real cars like sprint cars, like you've talked about uh, many times, Billy. How important is the seating position? And also, I guess, like you can adjust your field of view in the car, and of course, and I mean, even if you're sitting in a, in a standard chair, you can adjust your field of view accordingly. But I guess what I'm trying to get at. In relation to the feel for the pedals, where your feet and your legs are, how important is the, how important is it to to should you be sitting as low and as kind of slung back as possible, or what do you guys think, or is it a silly question? Well, I just think to Alex's point earlier, I think it goes to you know what kind of immersion level are you looking for? Yeah. Um, and then I would say on top of that, uh, do whatever's comfortable. Yeah. Don't feel yourself the need to be confined because. Oh, a formula guy drives like this. So I have to, you know, I have to be completely laid down with my feet, you know, that are going to be approximately midway up my chest yeah. strung out way in front of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've run everything from, you know, a cart, which you're kind of stretched out for me. I'm stretched out in a cart kind mm. of laid back and, and then in a sprint car, you know, you, you really, it's like you're sitting in a chair. You really sit close to upright in one of those things. Yeah. And then a GT car, you're kind of in between where you kind of sit up a little bit and your feet are out a little ways, but not, you know, you're not really stretched out. But again, if you're talking about a race car, they want to get you as low as they can. Yes. You know, they really, they're really concerned about center of gravity. So, yeah. 
Um, I just say, you know, if you're looking for that immersion level, you know, which is kind of what I do, I kind of put myself in like a GT mm. position. So where my, where my hands just barely don't block my field of view when it gets to the top of the wheel. Um, and then, cause I kind of find like in a, in a regular, let's say GT car, that's kind of where you're at, or even my cart. Well, my cart, I can't see actually over my hands. So never mind. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, but that's kind of where I'm at. And I like when I'm in that position with the, with the seat lean back, just, just a hair. Yeah. Um, I like where my, my leg is at and my, my foot for the pressure that I can put on the pedal. So yeah, I, th- I think you just find a balance. And I guess we all have our own setups and indeed we all drive so many different types of cars virtually like GT cars and open wheel. And, and even for example, in automobilista, you can drive trucks and everything. And of course the view in the truck is completely different to a formula formula one car. So I think uh, what's also important in terms of how to sit is what not to do. Um, for yeah. a very long time, I used a chair that was, uh, quite movable. It was not exactly on wheels, but it was moving around on the floor a lot. Yeah. And I used that for such a long time. And only when I moved to something that's a bit more sturdy, um, I I realized how bad that arrangement actually was. Yeah. But you kind of get used to it after a few days or weeks of driving with it, and then you live with it. Yeah. But um, that was a big step uh, back then when I thought, man, you really have to find a comfortable position to drive. Yeah. Uh, because it's more fun to focus on the driving than to keep your seat and the wheel in relation. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, noticeable to me back then. Mm. And I actually have to admit, I have an office chair and I put masking tape on the wheels so the wheels don't rotate. So basically, when I when I slide hey, the chair up, exactly when I slide the chair up against the wheel stand pro and lean the chair back, the seat doesn't um, doesn't uh, um, move. But although I have to admit, it's been a bit squeaky of late, so I have to put some <laughs> WD forty on it to take out the squeaking. So. We've been running a, a long time. Guys, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. So it's been interesting. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, and thank you, Billy, for joining and, and Alex as well, of course. Um and I think I think if in a in a closing point, if I will, I think the you know, if you're you get the gear that you want and you know, you maybe you dream of dream of driving a McLaren F1 or a Ferrari um, 250 GTO and you know maybe you're driving a Ferrari 250 250 GTO in in the hills of California whether you're on Forza or or um, iRacing or whether you're driving direct drive or just a simple secondhand gear driven wheel you know if you're there and in that moment you it puts a smile on your face that's what you want you know and i think yeah exactly that's that's the kind of that's what you're aiming for and it comes back to a, a point that you made billy you know you you find what you're comfortable with and 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 go go with that you know so so is there anything um anything you coming up on your guys channel that you want to promote or any series or any something that you're working on uh nothing special in my case just the usual uh content um 
of course, um, yeah, that means sim racing, a little yeah. bit of Star Citizen, um, a little bit of variety. But uh, yeah, nothing too special comes to mind right now. Yeah. And how about yeah, I you? I don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I have plans. I obviously have things I want to do. But then, you know, if I announce one of those and then I, I freaking, I don't do it, then I, <laughs> it always backfires on me. Something yeah, will happen true. and then I can't do it. Yeah. But just a typical, um, for me, I just highlight things that I enjoy yeah. that people may or may not have run. Uh, usually that's what I try to do. And then if something new comes out or something I feel that's worthy of a live stream, then I'll do a live stream. Yeah. Uh, I am yeah. working on uh, a few podcasts. I just got to get those finalized yeah. and done. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, nothing out of the ordinary for me, but I've got stuff coming. Yeah. Yeah, and you've been, and both of you have been um, putting out a lot of content. And for example, you did the um, endurance pack for R Factor 2, Billy. And I'd matter because I find it difficult to kind of sit down and, and find the time. Or often for me, it's it, I find something where I realize, oh, well, this hasn't been approached before. So I'll kind of try and do that, you know. So each to his own. And you guys are. You have your own spin on things and you're 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 making um very interesting content, I have to say, and I really enjoy the stuff you guys are doing because it's very different. And indeed the 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 gear behind the gear you're using behind it is different as well. So I guess that's comes back to the point of this whole conversation today. So Yes, well thank you. So guys, thank you very much for joining. Um we would appreciate any comments or questions in the comment section below and um, remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy this episode this podcast episode will be available on the itunes store and google play on stitcher radio and also for in rss format if you want to add it manually to your favorite podcast player and any relevant links and so to uh, alex's channel and to billy's channel will be included in the description below. So until next time, thank you.